even my older sister, when she went through her pregnancies, I remember one thing that my mum did say that really stuck with me was uh, my sister had trouble with muscle separation and sort of had that blow-up in her belly still and my mum goes, oh, she's just, she's never going to fix that. She's, she's just lazy. She's giving excuses all the time. Hey Refem, my name's Kate and welcome back to Keeping It Real, the podcast reassuring women that muscle separation isn't a sign of laziness. Today we're joined by Haley, a patient who had a tummy tuck after years of Pilates, doctor's appointments and a nagging sense that something just wasn't quite right. Like a lot of our patients, Haley didn't have any exposure to the plastic surgery world and postpartum muscle separation was very much a taboo topic, something attributed to laziness or bad habits. In this episode, Haley talks about her chronic back pain before surgery, what an abdominoplasty and recovery feel like, and what it's like to receive a shocking genetic disorder diagnosis amongst it all. Do you just want to introduce yourself? Like, what's your name, your age, anything you want to tell us about yourself? Hi, so my name's Hayley. I'm 35 years old. I discovered Re online through social media on Instagram. Uh, I'm not too prevalent on social media, but that's something that I come past, um, which I was really grateful for in my research in the plastic surgery realm. Did you have much exposure to plastic surgery as an option or consideration for your body and pain management? Uh, most of it early on was just from what I'd heard word of mouth, um, you know, throughout my 20s, which was quite limited. It was just through a circle of friends and acquaintances that I had at that period of time, yeah. um, which was all quite cliche it was all quite um yeah it's quite naive because it was just I was in the world where I was surrounded by photographic models swimwear models runway models yeah um through makeup work and one of my good friends was a photographer so all, all that was really discussed was um, breast augmentations and the occasional rhinoplasty. So that was really the extent of what was discussed. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, that's so interesting. So, yeah, you'd never really taught like everything plastic surgery was just purely kind of cosmetic stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Did you know anybody that had had an abdominal? So, I should say you came to see us earlier this year for an abdominoplasty um, yeah. or a tummy tuck, if that's way too many syllables. Um, did you know anybody else before you had an abdominoplasty who had had one? I only through a friend of a friend oh. who documented her experience through her Instagram. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I was very grateful for that as well because it was very much a light bulb moment, a very relatable moment because, um, yeah, as I said, even between my 20s and going into my 30s, the friendship group changed and reduced and it was still something that I never had the chance to really discuss with anyone. And so it was, it was quite a lonely feeling. And so to come across that and then the re-page and, you know, more women 
sharing similar experiences. And what exactly um, did you, had you wanted incredible. to discuss with your friends? Like, was it a, a case of did you feel like you were the only one who was kind of experiencing any of these like symptoms or pain, or or just kind of being able to talk about plastic surgery with them? Um, yeah, I felt quite alone in that because at that point of time, I was the first one to have children in my oh, okay. circle. It just didn't didn't really feel like it was something that I could open up about. Yeah, right. I, even even now, um, I find myself edifying what I say if I discuss it with anyone, which is still still quite. Um, sort of anxiety and <laughs> Yeah, of course. And why do you think you do that? Just because of like the, the stigma that exists around plastic surgery? Absolutely. And just because I, I hadn't had those close relationships and those moments to grab onto beforehand. And even growing up with with my parents and and my family, it's, it's something that has never been talked about. Um, even my older sister, when she went through her pregnancies, I remember one thing that my mum did say that really stuck with me was, uh, my sister had trouble with muscle separation and sort of had that lower pop in her belly still. And my mum goes, oh, she's just, she's never going to fix that. She's, she's just lazy. She's giving excuses all the time. What's really kind of happened even since I've worked here, because I think I'm probably the same as you, like never really thought about it, discussed it, but just even the amount of people when we were doing that, uh, you know, push to get um, postpartum muscle separation back onto the MBS and just how mm-hmm. many, it was like every single woman you spoke to who had children was like, oh yeah, I have that. And like, or even if, even if they d- didn't know that they did have that, all of the things started kind of checking out and they're like, oh, like, you know, that's why I kind of looked like I was pregnant for so long, even though I had already had kids or like, that's why I like my lower back hurt and that, and they started to put together these dots, but it is very much what you're saying. Yeah. That like people don't speak about it. Um, and so they think then that they're the only one and have no kind of reference point for what other people are going through. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it seems that you don't even consider when you're starting a family and starting a pregnancy journey because you think, yes, I'm signing up for a child. I'm signing up to bring a life into the world to love and nurture and share. Um, but I don't I don't sign up for the separation. I don't sign up for the, the pain, the contorting your body in weird ways just to get things done throughout the day. Yeah. Um, Do you want to talk a bit more on that? What were your what were your symptoms um, of kind of muscles? So we should also say, so you've got two kids, don't you? I do, yes. My yeah. son is nine. He's just recently had a birthday and my daughter's four. Oh, so exciting. Um, okay, so, yeah, you've got a nine-year-old and a four-year-old. How, was it after, um, did you kind of know, first started noticing symptoms after your first baby or was it the second or they kind of stuck around the whole time? No, the whole time, definitely after the first, and they were both born by cesarean. Oh, okay. Um, and, yeah, even though I have an incredible medical team, GP and OBGYN, it was 
even though I was describing the issues that I was having, it was always something that was just popped to the side because there was so many other things happening. Um, so I am, I am very strong in advocating for yourself, particularly when you're seeking health care, but also knowing the right person to go to for your circumstances. That's something that I didn't find until I came to have the consult at Reed. It was something, you know, no one just sat down with me and said, it's okay. Like, <laughs> we, we, know, we know what women go through. <laughs> the kind of overarching belief as well is that you can just fix it on your own and, like, it'll just snap back um, and that kind of, like, dismissive nature. Not to say all GPs, um, but, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from Where and especially if you have any anything else that's kind of more pressing going on, um, it's very easy to sideline things even though they obviously have a huge impact on your life. What kind of ex- symptoms were you experiencing? Yeah, so the back pain was a big one in terms of what was discussed with that. It was it was the usual thing that I've heard women talk about now, being told to look into physio and being given exercises from them. Um, and then I got into a reformer Pilates class and did that for quite a while. I got into, I tried to get into a sport, get back into netball, because that's something that I had done when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But it was just, it was just the strangest feeling because over time, you know, and years were ticking on and just, it wasn't just a discomfort from moving the body or a, a little bit of an ache. It was just, I'm in a lot of pain. I'm crying and this is messed up. And it was just really disheartening because it was like, logically, you know that it's not getting better. But emotionally, you almost like it's being conditioned into you that to think that you're still not doing enough. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, while exercising, it was I could never get my form right, mm-hmm. um, and that was just yeah causing more problems. Um, one in particular is that with engaging your core in the Pilates, they're like always flat, flat back on the reformer mat. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just can't do it. I'll start shaking. and Yeah, especially when you're like, oh, this is, wait, this is meant to be the easy bit. Why is this so hard? Definitely. Yeah, I think you've really hit the nail on the head with what we've been conditioned with. And I, I do think that is probably a plight very much of womanhood where, you know, it's, um, just kind of put your head down and get on with it and just work hard and you're kind of pushing for this ideal, especially like you've already mentioned, when the options aren't given to you uh, at every step and it, it seems like you're taking like the easy option or like the easy way out when you go and see a professional that could actually help you with stuff, with daily agony. Yes, and the word that I keep coming back to is invalidation. Like there's so many things, especially when you're talking to women about pregnancy and postpartum. Like it's the quickest way to get people being weird around you. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. What kind of things would people say? Well, it just um, it ranges from you know opinions and judgments about you physically, but 
you know, so many different things happen and work opportunities disappear and it's, it's just, yeah, multifaceted, but it's sort of always to a woman's detriment just for, you know, being pregnant and having children. <laughs> very, very much. And it's, it's really hard to hear. And I think the more patients we kind of talk to, hopefully, I mean, we're working towards that open conversation and destigmatization, but I think it is kind of devastating the more people we talk to and about how they're going through something very real, but just kind of like gaslit into thinking that it's nothing and like they should just get over it and it's their problem. Definitely. And I think the the conversation is starting to pick up momentum, but it, it's so, um, yeah, it's got re- that wrenching even for me when you feel like, even your family circle, you wouldn't be understanding. And just, you know, to be able to say, oh, I'm seeing my plastic surgeon in Turat for an appointment. (laughs) Quite a thing to say. (laughs) But, you you know, you'd almost get people saying, who the hell do you think you are? (laughs) You also referred to earlier that, you know, you had quite a lot else going on at the doctors while you're battling this. Did you want to go into that a little bit more? Yes. So it's almost like you have to put the pieces together um, because you you may not be feeling right and you feel it deep in yourself that something's not the way it should be. But you'll do all the tests under the sun and they'll go, oh, you know, we can't find anything. It's all in normal range. But it's like... But I'm, I'm not well. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a marathon. And, you know, um, other things for me. So I had cyclic issues, um, you know, heavy, very painful uh, menstrual cycles. They would be irregular, you know, for so long. Just, you know, it comes back to a lot of people saying, oh, you know, everyone gets them. <laughs> sort of, you know, they they go, oh yes, oh poor you, it's okay. And then later on, finding out it was actually my OBGYN who found that I had a genetic condition, which was the ovarian of Turner syndrome. Um, so the characteristics that I shared with that is my short stature I'm quite vertically challenged as you may have noticed <laughs> yeah um, thyroid condition and it can cause issues uh, with fertility ovarian function um, which I never knew until a couple of years ago so it's sort of it was, it was all tying together it was all really finally starting to make sense so did you find that out after you'd already had your children? I did. I did. And it was mind-blowing, especially when you hear about the statistics mm-hmm. and, you know, how it could have been passed on to my daughter and I, I could have struggled to fall pregnant naturally with either of them. Yeah. And if it had been passed on to my son, he wouldn't have survived being um an X chromosome condition. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, my little miracle babies, literally. Yeah, wow. And so, and because I think it's quite, um, well, I don't know if it's quite rare, but 
you know, I think the fact that they can they can pick up Turner syndrome in utero even sometimes, the fact that you weren't diagnosed to your 30s, was that really shocking? It was. It was. It was really out of left field. And, yeah, as I said, it just finally made so many things make sense that I just thought, why is everything so difficult? Yeah, right. <laughs> like I, I couldn't, I couldn't find a reason. And yeah, there you go. And it is. It's that yeah, the kind of, and it can be exhausting, obviously, but that need to just advocate and fight and fight and not take the quickest answer because, like, you know that something's wrong is just tiring. Exhausting. <laughs> So with your abdominoplasty, um, had you had much experience with like hospitals and surgery before that? I have. Um, so aside from the cesareans, I had to go back to two other abdominal surgeries. Oh, okay. Um, so they were laparoscopic, so yeah. a very, very different experience. Mm-hmm. I've always been the type of person who's fascinated with anything science, health, medical. Um, so none of that really intimidated me. Oh, okay. That's good. Which, uh, yeah, I'm very, very lucky with that. How was surgery? Was it what you expected even like during or like when you came out? Was it or, – or was there anything that kind of like really took you by surprise? Physically, I – it was everything that I envisioned, that I expected. Psychologically, it was uh, a little bit more difficult, but that was putting my mum hat on and just being concerned about how everyone would be coping at home. Um, and also in terms of recovery, having it was my first time having the drainage tube. Oh, yeah. And I think part of my recovery, as soon as that came out, I just, feel, I just felt the switch. I felt like it was... I was really starting to pick up from there. Um, so even though it it wasn't that the drain was scary, I think it was just the unknown and just a, a symbol that that's gone now, I can move on. Like this is excellent. Yeah, yeah. And it's also not heaps of fun carrying around a little bag of fluid. <laughs> oh, yeah, just, you know, trying to dress around it and, you know. <laughs> How was the recovery? Did you have any moments of like regret or confusion during those kind of dark early weeks? Never regretted it. Not for a second. That's Yeah, that's great. I know a lot of people kind of get taken out by that when they're hunched over and can't stand up straight and it's like, have I done the right thing? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's really good to hear that even, even with the drainage bottles, it was like, okay, I've done the right thing. Yes, and I think a lot of that was with recare as well um, and having Lauren available, you know, communicating by email. Um, the fact that I had such a good support garment, um, just every, every part of that just felt like you were taken care of, even if they're not right with you. Yeah. Um, which I think was was huge. Yeah. How long How long did your recovery kind of last? Like how long until you kind of went back to work or you could play with your kids? Yeah, so my my position is mum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I didn't completely stop. I was lucky to have my partner home. I used some leave days to help out. Yeah. Um, 
I think at the end of the second week, I was a lot more mobile and started driving just after that into the third. Yeah, okay. And then what have your what have the results been like? Like how I mean, I think it was in February, wasn't it? So we're about four months post op. How are you feeling? Yeah, excellent. Um, it with without even being prompted, my partner was saying to me, "You have not even mentioned your back hurting. Like it's incredible. Oh, it was such a relief." <laughs> Every movement's are so much easier. I don't get uncomfortable when I'm sitting down for a long time, particularly in the car. And when I was starting back into exercise, getting on the reformer machine, just feeling the full engagement of my my muscles. Um, yeah, it was. It was quite a thing. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's so exciting. That's so impressive to hear. And even things that are taken for granted a lot, like not having to stress about what clothes you're grabbing out of the wardrobe each day, not wondering if the if the T-shirt is going to be a little bit snug or wearing different jeans and, yeah, it's good. Is there anything else you wanted to say or advice to other women in similar situations? It's been phenomenal and keeping the conversation open, even though I'm I'm not big on sharing my life. I think it's something that's really important to get out there. If you liked this episode of Keeping It Real, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you have a flick through our past episodes? We'd love to hear your requests for future topics. So send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. That's all for today. And we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery. Plastic surgery.